Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode... Oh my god, I lost it. 217 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week? Been far too long. Mm -hmm. I think this is the longest we've gone in between our recordings. Uh, We have the next week's matches starting tomorrow as well. We're doing this on a Friday, so... Squeeze it in, but I mean, these games were pretty memorable. We had a lot of controversial calls. Um, VAR, again, being a massive talking point in every weekend's uh, finishes. Uh, we saw Sheffield get their first win of the season controversially. Um, we saw Chelsea find a way to make the game ugly and just force a win. And uh, I mean, Man City did, out of everything, Man City did what everybody thought they were going to do. They were going to pump Bournemouth, and they did so. Everything else was kind of crazy, but but Man City's always there just doing their thing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start off with Fulham and Manchester United. Uh, Manchester United with a 1-0 victory over Fulham at Craven Cottage, uh, but they left it very, very late. It wasn't until the 91st minute uh, that <clears throat> Bruno Fernandes struck. Um, goal early, I believe, called off. It was McTominay that had the ball in the back of the net. Uh, there was an offside in the buildup, and that was taken back. But overall, I mean, this was another really, really bad performance from United. Uh, they looked poor. I thought um, Garnacho didn't look great. Um, then really didn't look great midweek. Uh, we were going to have to talk about what happened in the Champions League, too. Um, Anthony, again, shit. Apparently, he's been told that if he doesn't stop doing stupid skill moves on the pitch... Uh, that he will be benched, and uh, it seems like, I don't know, that either came from Ten Hag or one of the coaches, uh, but that's out there. Um, Hoyland, again, not great in the league, seems to be a bit of a European merchant. He's been amazing for them in Europe, but just really, really poor uh, in the league so far this season. No Rashford, came along, but was not named in the team. Said it was a knock, wasn't actually a knock. Uh, Came out later that he was out. Uh, on the night before the game uh, with his girlfriend and some of his mates uh, to celebrate his birthday. So a lot of drama going on at Manchester United. Fulham coming into the game with, uh, you know, not too many expectations. Uh, I think they actually played really well. That Muniz guy up top, uh, this is the first time that I've seen him get a start and and watch a whole game uh, that he's been playing in. And honestly, I I thought he looked really good. Fulham had a couple of chances. Uh, they had 18 shots, they had three of those on target, possessed the ball well enough, um, especially when you consider the gap in talent in these two sides. I think Fulham were a little bit unlucky to not take a point from this one. Uh, I thought they played really well, and but every single game, although we picked United, we know every single game is going to be a battle. It's going to be really tough in every fixture they play, because they're just not up to the standard right now. Yeah, that you're either going to get them getting pumped or it's going to be a squeaky win of some yep. sort. That Moon, as you mentioned, picked up an injury, was taken off the field, very upset, but it says he'll be out for a few weeks. Uh, not too serious, but yeah, it seems like Fulham just can't figure out a way to to play their way without a an out-and-out number nine. Since Mitrovic left, that was their identity last year, how they won a lot of games now remove him they they're stuck with Jimenez who they brought in who hasn't done anything Mooney's De Cordova Reed can play up there a little bit they have Vinicius um, Carlos Vinicius that is that they just can't get the job done and you have guys like William getting five shots in this game none on target Pereira trying to be the creator 
it's just not really working for them going forward. Iwobi is just getting plugged in wherever, where I think he needs to be in one of those front three attacking roles. I think that's where he plays best. We saw that with Everton, but yeah, it's just they're very disappointing this year. After last year, they had a strong start and then fade away, but now a weak start relatively to everybody else, and they're sitting 15th at the moment. They've only scored nine goals, which is the second fewest, only behind Burnley, who have only scored eight. So it's just a struggle bus for them. And for United, they they squeak away here. They find a way that 91st minute Bruno goal was massive. Leno did get a hand on it. And it was just one of those moments we see year after year with United. They get pushed into a corner and they find a way to get a result and, and ease the tension for a little bit. But now, after you mentioned the Champions League result, the pressure's on this weekend against a Luton team that got a massive result against Liverpool. And if they can't pick up a result there, I think we got serious issues going into the international break. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, Brentford 3, West Ham 2. This one, a thriller all the way. Uh, Neil Mopai, an unlikely candidate, getting the scoring started in this one. He's scoring the 11th. Mohamed Kudu struck back in the 19th. He's been great the past couple of games. He's he finally broken into the team, and he looks amazing. Uh, Jared Bowen added another in the 26th. Things were quiet until the 55th when Konstantinos Mavropanos, uh, center back for West Ham, turned one into his own net. Then Nathan Collins sealed it in the 69th with the goal for himself. Both of these teams played relatively well. Um, we saw Mavropanos in there. He hasn't featured much, uh, so far this season. I think they have better options on the bench as well. Tilo Kerr comes to mind. I think he's a pretty solid serviceable center back, but wasn't in the team. Zuma, not in the team, of course. Uh, so they had some issues at the back. That own goal really kind of sealed things for them. Uh, it looked like for a minute that maybe West Ham would be able, uh, to, to kind of lead after that two, one, uh, one in their favor, but. They actually sold uh, really, really tough stuff. And Buemo has been great this season. He was good again here. Visa, a little bit of a disappointment. Um, but Brentford are looking a little bit more steady. Uh, they have the, you know, 2-0 against Chelsea a couple, well, I guess that was a week ago now. They've got a 3-2 here against West Ham. Both of those teams are in decent shape. I mean, West Ham are in 12th. Uh, I think Chelsea are in 10th, so Brentford did really well uh, by beating those two teams, leaping them in the table. Uh, but uh, just this is more of a, a collapse, honestly, at the back uh, for West Ham than anything else. I think the offense performed relatively admirably. I mean, you have to consider the fact that they're still rocking with Antonio up top, uh, and he's just not really been in his best. Uh, Ward Prowse continues to look really good, but that Kudu signing towards the end of the window, uh, I think is going to be the thing that really sets West Ham apart in an attacking sense this season. We've got a lot of games to go, and he's looking like he's not even, you know, halfway warmed up. So good game by Kudus. Uh, unfortunately, West Ham just not up to the task defensively. Brentford getting another much needed three points after a very bleak start. One goal Brentford scored, it was a, the ball over the top, and two West Ham players just not communicating. They could have let it go out for a goal kick, but headed back in play, and then they an error on the goal that Brentford scored, I believe, to make it 2-2. But, yeah, the back line's got a couple injuries. We've seen Kurt Zoom out for a little while now. He's been their club captain since the start of the year, and they they rely on him heavily on those aerials and as commanding in the back. Garrett is a, a bit wishy-washy at times. He can be a Champions League level player as he was previously to West Ham and 
you could see him play like a, a Luton type of like bottom area team player. So uh, Kudu's breaking into the team, as you mentioned. Moyes came out and said it was he was going to get his time eventually. It's been hard when they were winning early in the year. Now they're dropping points, three losses in a row now in the league, four without a win. It's uh, he's trying to change it up, and now he's capitalizing on that opportunity. And they did this without Paquetta and Alvarez, and now they'll be back for their following game here, where it'll be interesting to see how Moyes puts his 11 together because a Paquetta, Bowen, Kudu's midfield with Ward Prowse and Suchek or Alvarez in behind could be pretty t- strong. Yeah. It's just Antonio missed an absolute sitter in this game. A nice cut back to the back post, and him and Ben Rama running to each other. That could have made it 3-1 at the time, but it ultimately swung the other way. Brentford have been pretty resilient now. Jensen's been an absolute baller, getting that last assist uh, on the winner to Collins. It's uh, it's great to see Brentford here playing well. I think we did, didn't we? We saw Flecken get injured in this game, so they played Stroka yep. in the second half. So interesting to see how he does. He didn't have to do anything in the second half, really. Uh, maybe only one or two shots, but yeah, Brentford's a tough team, especially to beat at home. Uh, their record-wise, they only have one loss this season at home out of six. So it's going to be hard for West Ham to get themselves out of this hole. They did win yesterday in the Europa League, so hopefully they can continue on in that competition. But uh, they're they're slowly falling down the pecking order in the league, and and another week or two of these results could be interesting to see if that agenda against Moyes comes back up in that Christmas period. Yeah. Uh, okay. Manchester City at six, Bournemouth one. Uh, Jeremy Doku registers the first goal in the 30th minute and then subsequently four assists. Uh, Bernardo Silva on the score sheet twice, once in the 33rd, once in the 83rd. Akanji with a goal in the 37th, Phil Foden in the 64th, and then Nathan Ake tying things up in the 88th. In the meantime, between that Foden and Ake goal, Luis Sinistero was able to convert a goal as well for Bournemouth. So both teams to score was a cash. Uh, that was in the 74th minute. Man, there's not really much else to say about City other than they've managed to somehow improve that left wing mid position, however you want to call it. They had Foden and Grealish, two of the best English left-sided players in you know, the Premier League in the world, right? Two of the best. And they've gone out and they've bought Jeremy Doku, who seems to be better than both of them. Uh, he's been unreal. He is extremely uh, talented with the ball at his feet. His passing is sensational. Four assists is not something you see a lot. I know this was against Bournemouth, but, you know, we had players. Arsenal played them a couple um, a couple of days ago. Weeks It was a week ago. Uh, you know, you saw the hat trick from Inketi. Somebody's always going to go crazy against them, but a goal and four assists is, I think, more impressive than a hat trick. No, no doubt about it. Uh, this this kid is is super special. He's really good. They didn't buy him uh, for all that much money. You stick him in there with Alvarez, who didn't have a great game, and Holland, who again didn't have a great game. Uh, you have a recipe for just complete destruction. Um, I cannot imagine what they're going to look like when Kovacic is out of the team and De Bruyne is back in. Uh, it's going to be truly scary. But yeah, complete domination. Nothing to say about Bournemouth. Really poor. Iriola, after nicking uh, a win last week, now has to deal with the papers. Uh, you know, asking him about his job once again, probably the way it should be. Bournemouth are just like ultimate dog shit. They're really, really bad. I think they're way worse than Sheffield. Uh, and I think 
although Sheffield's in uh, last place, they're showing me a little bit of passion. Bournemouth just don't have any of that. Well, we're going to see that matchup between Sheffield and Bournemouth after the international break day, yep. uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving there. It's going to be at Sheffield, so that's going to be a, a decider there in what you're saying. But they have to place, they have to face Newcastle this weekend, luckily at home. They've been dealing with a lot of unfortunate injuries to their back line. Dan Burns set to miss uh, until the January window. He'll be back, and Matt Target's out. They're missing a lot of defensive guys, Botman as well. So they need to take advantage of that, playing at home in that in that small Vitality Stadium with the fans on top of you. They need to take advantage of that. But, yeah, Man City on the road is just an impossible impossible task. They're 5-0 and on the year, 16 goals, three against. It's just an impossible thing to ask of a team that's struggling in the bottom area of the table. But they just need to continue. They need to find a way. Maybe the manager change needs to happen soon. Um, a big loss like that, if it's another 5-1, 5 nothing type thing against Newcastle, I think there might be serious questions going into an international break would be the perfect time to maybe change something in the management side of things. But we'll have to wait and see. This Bournemouth team are a bit tricky. At times they can jump on you if you're not expecting it. That's the good thing about the Premier League. We're seeing that teams can win against uh, Goliaths at any moment, depending on how the VAR is going for them. But yeah, today it was just... Doku was incredible, set records. I think he's the youngest player to record four assists in a game. Um, And he's been flying under the radar. I mean, he's been doing well in European competitions the last two years, previous for his previous club. But you're playing for Lons or Ren, one of those two. Yeah, it's just he's just a nice, another smart Manchester City purchase that's proven to be great and will be nice in the rotation. We'll see him have more moments like this moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to the next one, Matt. Tell us about Sheffield United 2, Wolves 1. Again, uh, a little bit of a controversy here. Wolves, the most shafted team this year. This is the third egregious call against them that cost them points. We saw this the first game against Man United when they were not awarded a penalty at the end. We saw this, I believe, in a 1-1 draw. They were given a penalty against them. That ultimately cost them three points. And then we saw here in the 100th minute a a hand a flop from George Bulldog that was ultimately given by the referee. And Sheffield got the winner, the last kick of the game in the 100th minute. But um, no goals until the 72nd minute, as well as another mistake from Wolves. Uh, a through ball trying to be played in. To, uh, Toadie. Toddy Gomez tried to intercept it and clear it away, mishit it off a defender's back, and set in Cameron Archer on a breakaway who buried it clinically. Uh, they did get one back in the 89th minute off uh, Belograd. Nice, nice goal there, whipped into the near post. Uh, goalkeeper didn't have a chance, but ultimately that penalty in the 99th minute decided it. There was a VAR decision potentially against him in the 94th minute on a handball as well. Uh, was not given, but yeah, Wolves and Gary O'Neill, there's just so much that's going against them. Fabio Silva was the one that conceded that penalty in the end and was seen very upset, uh, up to t- almost in tears. Just, yeah. just that's how the season's been going for them, and it's very frustrating. You can see it, the body language on these players, it's just call after call, and it seems like every VAR decision goes against them. And it puts them in a position now they're in 14th, 
with 12 points. They're six points clear of the drop, but I mean, if the, if one or two of these calls goes their way, they're easily in around that top 10 area, sitting cozy. That injury to Pedro Neto has been unfortunate yeah. and is, is really showing in their play. But Huang Hee Chan, again, with an assist here, continues his streak of goal contributions. And they have to, that has to keep happening for them to be in these games. I mean, now they play a Tottenham team this weekend who it's the perfect time to be playing them at home as well. Um, but it seems like their luck, the luck isn't on their side. And for Sheffield getting their first win, it was a massive feeling. You saw after the game, it was a big moment for all the players and the fans and the staff. It just shows that they are capable of winning in this league. And it may take a lot and for decisions to go their way, but they just have to have the passion and just the commitment to see these games out. And they tried everything. They they were playing the VAR card. They were playing for the, for the VAR decision to go their way, and it went their way. Um, hopefully, karma comes against them and it, it evens things out, the law of average. But... Yeah, I mean, three points for them. Paul Heckenbottom, it's huge, but they still have an almost impossible task on their hands. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. Crystal Palace, two. Burnley, nil. Jeffrey Schlupp got the scoring started in the 22nd minute, and Burnley just, they, they pounded the net in this one. 17 shots, five shots on target. Couldn't get any of them to go in. Controlled the pace. Um Palace probably shouldn't have gone, shouldn't have been the team to go 1-0 up, but they were. And then in the 94th minute, Tyreek Mitchell uh, scored on an assist from Eberichi Eza, who is back. Um, great to see. Glad to see him come off the bench. Both of those guys are on my fantasy team. Didn't matter. Lost this week anyway. Um, and yeah, a really solid 2-0 win for Palace. They defended well. Um let Burnley have more of the ball than I would have imagined, to be honest. I think Palace are a better team in possession, but uh, yeah, they, they kind of let Burnley control the pace. They scored on the counter. Um, I thought this was kind of impressive from Palace because they've been having a pretty tough run of form. Uh, I believe before this game, they'd lost their last two. So now they've got two wins and a draw in their last five. Turn things around a little bit. Still sending in 11th level on points with Chelsea and a point ahead of West Ham. So uh, at, at some point this season, it's possible that they even jump a little bit higher up this table once they get uh, Alisse fully back. And Eze, who's now fully back, it seems this week he'll get the start. Um, Palace, they could start to be threatening a little bit. Uh, you know, the past couple of weeks have been really tough without the creative players, but uh, things are looking up for them and things are looking down for Burnley. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Lyle Foster will be ste stepping away um, from football for a minute, uh, dealing with some mental health stuff. So obviously best wishes to Lyle Foster, but that is a massive hit uh, for Burnley. He's been one of their best attacking players so far this season. And now they're going to have to deal with Jay Rodriguez up top. Uh, and he's like 500 years old. So things not looking great for Burnley at all. Yeah, hopefully everything's well at home. It's not too serious. Originally they said it was an illness. And then yeah. now it's extended for another two weeks. And that doesn't make sense for it to be an illness anymore. So glad to hear the clarification on what it is. And hopefully everything's all right for him and his family or close ones, whatever the situation may be. But yeah, that's the that's how Burnley is at the moment. It's just they're dealing with a lot of issues, a lot of injuries. Um, or not a lot of injuries, but just players aren't 
aren't combining well and they just don't have that killer instinct in front of goal. They've been dominating possession this year. They're they're up there for um, one of the top half possession teams. That's how companies built them up in the championship. And now here in this game, we saw them have 68% possession. I mean, I rewatched the whole game and it was just the build out. They were playing the ball well out of the back. The midfield was doing all right, but once they just couldn't find that through ball in behind or they weren't taking a chance on it, their best opportunities were coming when they got the ball out left to Koliosho, who could potentially be a U.S. international if uh, he decides on his his country we want to play for in the next coming months. But, yeah, whenever he got the ball and took on Joel Ward, it was a total mismatch. Um, it was just when he cut inside, there was not really any options, and he tr- would try for a shot, and it would just get blocked by Anderson or Guayhi. So it was a... Uh, they just couldn't capitalize on their opportunities, and two mistakes ultimately well, one major mistake ultimately cost them on the on the loss here on that first goal. Um, it was Bayer got absolutely spun by by Jordan Ayew, and then the cutback to Schlepp was there. So, yeah, that really put a hamper in their sails, took the wind out of their sails, I should say. But yeah, it just shows the resilience of this Palace team, and with Eze coming off the bench and playing like he did is a great sign and this weekend it's set to say it's set to, uh, for Michael Lisse to be a, an option off the bench so yep. we're going to we're going to start seeing this Palace team back in form uh they are as you mentioned they're sitting 11th um in a good spot they've only scored 10 goals which is crazy for them to be in that position and now with Lisse and as they hopefully back to full form we could see them scoring more goals and winning more games which would put them in a in a chance to finish in the top half this year which they haven't done in a very long time uh, okay, Matt, Everton won, Brighton won. Vitaly Mikalenko playing football this year. He's been really solid the past couple of weeks. He scored in the seventh. Ashley Young turning an own goal uh, into their own net in the 84th. Brighton didn't look great. Uh, they had a majority of the possession, as you would expect, against Everton. Um, I believe they it was the split was 80 to 20, which is insane. Jesus. Uh, that is absolutely insane. That's like a FIFA match that you inevitably lose or draw. And that was the case. It was a draw. So 208 passes completed uh, for Everton, almost 900 for Brighton. So a lot of a lot of just empty passing with no forward intent. Everton actually outshot Brighton uh, four shots on target versus Brighton's two, 10 shots total to Brighton's seven. And Brighton just could not finish. Um, they had Evan Ferguson up top alongside Matoma and Adingra. So it's not like these aren't, you know, really threatening players. Matoma's been great. Uh, Evan Ferguson, he's got a hat trick already on the year. He's been fantastic as well. Um, the guys behind him, maybe not so great with Gilmore, Lalana, and Milner, but still, this is a decent side. Fati should probably be starting. I don't know why he's not. He scored again midweek uh, against Ajax yesterday. I don't know what the deal is, why they're not starting him. Uh, he's been, like, insane. He's got five or six goals already in the league, and I think he's got another one, like I said yesterday, in the Champions League. So he's probably only played, you know, maybe 200, 300 minutes, and he's scored um, plenty of times. I don't know why he's not starting, but he's not. Um, But, yeah, I guess he'll take the point as Everton. Brighton probably looking for more, especially uh, because they've been – Pretty mediocre uh, over the last month or so. They've now taken three points from their last five games, three draws and two losses. So not in great form. They're only two points behind Newcastle. uh, And really, I guess only 
not even 10 points behind City, uh, who are at the top of the league. So, I don't know. Um, kind of a weird game. Surprised it ended in a draw. But, unfortunately, Brighton not able to do anything with all that possession. Yeah, they're they're at their same point total this point of the year as they were last year. And last year, there was a lot of praise for them. And now, nobody's really talking about them if they're struggling. They did win in their uh, Europa League match this past weekend. Or yesterday, I should say, against Ajax at Ajax. That was big mm-hmm. for them. And Everton just are finding a way to get points when it matters now. That's... That's two wins in their last, or three wins in their last six, and a, and also a point. So ten points in their last six games there, and that's got them five points clear of the drop right now, which is great. They have another uh, matchup this weekend that they could get points out of, um, that being against Palace. So they could be going into this international break almost seven to eight points clear of the drop, which would be incredible. Uh, um, we haven't really heard talks of their point deduction as much in the last week or two. That, that talks died down a bit with the media. So, yeah, Michael Eichel's goal was nice for him. Um, a rebound goal off his own shot. We saw a contender for goal of the season get get all, ruled off sides on VAR from Lewis Dunk, that free kick over the top, and yeah. an incre- incredible volley off the bar down over Pickford. Um, but yeah, they pushed, they pushed, they pushed, and we're seeing that they're struggling against this low block, especially without their full strength team. Uh, there's talks of Sully March being out for the rest of the season due to him getting re-injured. Matoma's not playing in his best form. And I think it ultimately comes down to just the rotation. We mentioned this the last couple episodes, but Brighton and Deserbi are rotating this team heavily each and every game, four or five changes every time. And it, it seems like it's affecting them, and we can't really see their full potential going forward. The goalie's switching all the time. Um, unfortunately, a stupid young yesterday came back from his injury and 10 minutes in got re- re-aggravated. So we have to wait and see the news on that. But that's a major loss if it's, a, if it's an extensive period of time like we're seeing a lot of other players are dealing with with other teams. Um, but, I mean, no dis- no disrespect to James Milner, but... James Milner shouldn't be starting in these games. Nope. I mean, you get you brought in guys like Dahoud and Fatty and these attacking players that are you see the potential in them and the quality they have to make changes in the game. And James Milner just isn't that type of guy. If your midfield three is Lalana, Gilmore, and Milner, I don't really see any um, creativity and attacking presence there to contribute with the front three. But especially against a team like Everton, who low block they're gonna absolutely throw you around and just bombard you with their with their heightened physicality so um yeah it just wasn't meant to be they got that they were fortunate with the own goal off ashley young it seems like ashley young is just the rag doll for everton anytime there's a bad thing that happens it's due to ashley young for some reason whether it's his fault or not um but yeah this positive this is a positive one for everton even though they're still in 16th um, there's a lot of good signs and good play coming out of them. And for Brighton, five straight games now in the league without a win is concerning. If this was at Manchester United or Chelsea, people would be absolutely all over them. But since it's Brighton and they don't have that credibility yet, um, people aren't too worried about them. Yeah, that's the truth. Okay, Newcastle won Arsenal nil. The lone goal being a triple VAR check. Anthony Gordon uh, tap in in the 64th. Pretty disgusting. 
Um, I mean, Arsenal didn't play great. We weren't threatening at all up top. Uh, only had one shot on target. This was not our best game by any stretch. Uh, Newcastle didn't play that great either. They really did two shots on target, but that was the only concrete chance. And we got a triple VAR check, and apparently there was nothing wrong. There was no offside. There was no foul. Uh, the goal stood. The ball didn't go out of bounds. Like, looked pretty out of bounds to me. Um, I don't know. Mikel's pretty upset about this one. I don't think Arsenal played well enough to get three points out of it anyway. Probably would have been lucky to steal a draw. But these Newcastle-Arsenal games have been such a shit show for the past two seasons. It seems like it's a new rivalry or something. Um, it was a nil-nil last year, and then we kicked the shit out of them at the end of the season. But I have no fucking idea why these games are so tightly contentious. Um, just... I don't know. I was I was really disappointed with the way that everybody played in this one. Uh, Havertz continues to look really mediocre. I don't know why Jorginho is in this team. He stinks. He's so bad. There's got to be somebody better that we can put in there, even if you're just going to throw. I mean, we didn't have Odegaard, which is kind of a tough one, but like somebody else has to play in the center there. Put Rice in the center and then pop somebody else out on the left, but we can't start him. He's, he's horrific. Um... Disappointing. Shouldn't have lost this game, but kind of came down to VAR. And uh, I don't know. I People have been bitching about VAR all week. I obviously don't like it either, um, but I don't really think we're going to see anything change. So uh, it's it's not even worth wasting my breath, really, right? Yeah, there were two two calls, two two tackles. And the red, the Havertz thing, too. Was could have been red. Talk about that. Uh, Havertz flying in. That should have been a red. A- yeah, you're saying red card there on Longstaff. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I've totally forgot about that. I erased it from my mind because he was ultimately given a yellow, but three yeah. three Newcastle players were given yellows for the for the the scuffle afterwards. Yeah, because they were all upset. Uh, that's crazy. Three three cards for Newcastle. One Havertz should have been red, but it was yellow. <laughs> yeah, he he. Other than that, he didn't really have any any hold on this game. And then the Gamara's one just absolutely abusing Jorginho's face. Um, yeah. He wasn't given a red card, but he picks up his fifth yellow. He'll be suspended for their next game here against um, Bournemouth, but he'll be back for the United game after the international break. Um, what do you think about Gamara's in this game? Should he have been red? Yeah, maybe, but since we didn't get the red for Havertz, like, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a makeup thing. Um, the Havertz one was pretty early. I thought this this game was too big for the refs. I think there was a lot of really, really bad calls made. Um, the VAR controversy and then both of those definitely could have been read. Uh, and they neither of them were. At least there was some consistency. But um, yeah, it seems to me that a lot of the pundits also think like this game was just too big for, for the referees the, that were in this one. Um, we've seen this a couple times this year where it's just, Really bad refereeing, really bad VAR processes. Uh, we've seen it more this year than we have ever in the past, and we've had VAR for three or four years now at this point. Uh, it's only getting worse, and uh, definitely like a multiple wrong calls here. I think the Havertz should have been a red, and I think the Gimarash maybe a little bit closer to an amber or yellow, just a hard yellow, but I could totally see that being a red as well. And neither of them were gifted. So again, you know, you like to see the consistency, but extremely poorly officiated match in my opinion well uh, 
what do you think about Enketia? Scores a hat trick against Sheffield, comes into this game and Not is almost ghost. Bit of a ghost, yeah. Um, I don't think any of our attacking players really looked very good. I mean, Martinelli had a chance. Um, he's not been great this year. Saka again, like just has been decent, but not not amazing. Not the normal soaring that we uh, expect from him. Was really good uh, two days ago against to be in the Champions League, but um, yeah, Enketia. I don't know, not great. Some games call for Jesus. Some games call for Enketia. Maybe this was a game that you know called for the creativity of Jesus instead of the raw finishing uh, of Enketia. I don't know. We'll, we'll never really know, but he certainly did uh, go ghost against the team that was actually playing defense instead of uh, filleting Bournemouth like he did last week. Yeah, first loss on the year now. No invincible run. Nope. Nope. And Tottenham also no invincible run. No city. So uh, it's safe. It, the, the record is safe. <laughs> um all right nottingham forest two uh aston villa nil two unlikely goal scores ola aina in the fifth and oral mangala in the 47th um oral mangala starting at cdm aina playing right back both of those guys able to score no maddie turner in this one we saw uh vlacodimos who i believe used to be a keeper for benfica if i recall correctly first time we've seen him uh so far this season in the league uh and then we had villa with the best goalkeeper in the world allegedly uh getting scored on by a cdm and a left back or right back uh what a silent performance from Musa Diaby and Ali Watkins. Both of those guys, all the way up top, both playing striker in this one. Got to be able to get something uh, against against Nottingham Forest. This is a huge disappointment. Uh, they did win yesterday. Uh, I bet on Villa yesterday. Watched them play uh, AC Alkmaar. They, they looked pretty good, but this was a disappointment. Unai Emery's boys just did not play up to the standard. Uh, Yuri Tillman's Leon Bailey and Den Dunker came on. Uh, late for uh, Devil or not Devil Louise Douglas Louise Nico Zaniolo and um, Maddie Cash, but just not enough of a difference being made in this one. Taiwo Awanyi is back, Elanga and Gibbs White flanked him for Nottingham Forest. Those guys didn't do much, but Forest converted when they could. They had three shots on target, they turned two of those into goals. Um, and Villa with all their possession, another 75 25 split. Just weren't able to do anything. So they'll look back at the end of the season when they're on the bubble uh, of, of potential European qualification, whether they're going to be in Europa, whether they're going to be in the Champions League. They're going to look at that. I think this these are three points that you absolutely have to take against a very susceptible Nottingham Forest team, and they just didn't do it. So that's a bit unlucky for, for Villa because they've been sensational so far uh, in the last month and really this this whole season. Yeah, Martinez with an error on that second yep. goal just misjudges the proper saving technique and pushes it into the goal. It's, uh, it's a massive result for Forrest. It digs them out of uh, being that, that uh, bottom team closest to where all the other teams are scrapping there. Um, Toffolo with two assists here, massive for him. The back line did good. Um Awani still struggling for fitness a bit. Can't really integrate himself in the game fully. Gibbs White's role in this new shape and tactics that Steve Cooper's got isn't as effective. He's been pushed out towards the wing, whereas last year he was more playing behind the striker. Um, similar similar role sort of this year, but more central at times, and now he's pushed to the wing. So 
he can't fully affect these games as much as he did in the past. And we saw Villa crack here. We knew eventually they, they were going to have to trip up at some point. They're not a Liverpool or City that we expect them to get 10 results straight. They're eventually going to come back to earth. These players aren't at the top of the top. So we saw them get exposed here against a team that we weren't expecting. And they're still in fifth place. They still have the... Um, 26 goals for the now this the third most in the season or in the yeah in the league now top scores but yeah eventually they have to break every once in a while Watkins going missing Diaby as you mentioned going missing and it seems like uh, they need to bounce back this weekend they're at home they have the they're tied the best record at home this year they're five and zero at home they've scored 20 goals only given up four against and now they go up against a. Uh, a Fulham team that's struggling to find any sort of consistency. So hopefully they bounce back here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next game. Luton won, Liverpool won. And then I'll give the last one to you. Um, holy fuck, man. Luton almost stole it. Uh, Liverpool controlled the pace. I think everybody looked really good. Um, Nunez missed the sitter. Uh, of course he did. He's always good for one. Um, Salah, not, not, you know, fantastic, but him and Jota, I think did a decent enough job going forward. They did register six shots on target on 24 total shots, had 75% of the possession. Liverpool, obviously the better team, but if you can't score against Luton, then I don't know how good you actually, you know, really did play. Uh, and Luton were the first team to score. Tahi Chong, uh, scored in the 80th minute, I believe. He he didn't start. I believe he came on as a sub because I tuned into the game right when he came on. Adebayo Chong and Jacob Brown came on. Uh, we saw Luis Diaz come on late for Liverpool. Uh, he made all the difference. We'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, Chong, goal in the 80th. Luton had to lock down, defend for the last 10, 15 minutes of the game. There was some stoppage time. Uh, but unfortunately, Luis Diaz, who now has his father back, we should say, but at the time did not have his father back. Uh, he was not free yet uh, for for his dad, scored in the 95th, leveled it up, uh, all that 1-1, and that's the way it ended. Both of these teams take a point. This is not what anybody was expecting. Uh, I thought Liverpool would just batter them in the first half and sit back on their haunches and see the game out, but that's just not the way it went at all. We got to give uh, a ton of credit to Luton for the way they played in this game. This was at Kenilworth Road, so a home game for Luton. I cannot imagine what it was like in that that stadium uh, when Luton scored in the 80th. I'm sure it absolutely erupted. Uh, nobody getting any sort of sleep that night uh, in Luton. But, yeah, unlucky to concede that goal. But Luis Diaz, I mean, he's he's so good. in the limited you know bits of time that he's been on uh, since his father and, and mother were kidnapped, he has been sensational and, you know, Started the season kind of injured, kind of banged up. Uh, I think, you know, he's he's really going to have a great season. It's still very early. And that front three just continually looks unbelievable outside of Nunez, who I can't tell if he's good or if he's shit, but he, he scores great goals sometimes. So we have to give him a little bit of credit. This was an entertaining watch, no doubt. Mo Salah bottled up here. Yeah. really... Couldn't really find it here. Now that's three straight games without a goal in all competitions. Um, that's just that's the guy you need to fire in, in these moments to get him going. And Nunez miss and that sitter was un, unforgivable. 
at the time. He had, I think, he had a team high nine shots. I think if I had to look here, yeah, oh. he had nine total shots, three on target, one off the crossbar, uh, the one absolute big miss. But yeah, I mean, if you're getting nine shots in a game, you got to be putting at least one or two in at this level. Um, it's just ridiculous. But credit to Luton, as you mentioned. They finally got a massive, massive point here against a team that nobody gave them a chance against. Uh, Trent getting exposed, as usual, on the defensive end. Ogbené was eating him up for for lunch. Um, the midfield didn't do too much. Birch has been coming into his own slowly. I think this is their best midfield three at the moment with without McAllister, Sobazlai, and, and Gravenberch. Uh, no semi-cast. He decided to play Joe Gomez out left. Every time Joe Gomez got the ball, he always passed it back. He never went forward whatsoever. Um, it's just, it was a bit negative there. But yeah, Luton had a game plan, stuck to it. Perfect counterattack goal for Chong, former United player, which is big against Liverpool, big rivals. But yeah, the story probably is, is more so Diaz getting the goal. And now with his dad back and his family back together, it's huge. So on a sentimental note, but... Yeah, Liverpool can't be dropping points here with City rolling. They're three points behind City now. Um, it's this is this, this isn't what we want. We don't want City pulling away, especially in this Christmas period. We this is usually when they're a little slow, and now with with all these teams, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Tottenham all tripping up on the same weekend, it's it's not it's not setting up good for for a neutral here to see City pull away potentially. Yeah. All right, Matt. Also about the last game of the week, war a game. I mean, this was just, this was one of the most disgusting, entertaining games I've ever watched. My post-match thoughts, now that we're three, four days after the match, the vibe was a better note for Tottenham than for Chelsea here for some reason. They played with nine men at the end. Yeah. And the vibe was Tottenham was happy with the result. Not happy with the result, but how the team played. And they stuck to the plan. And Paul Stokoglu after the game, there wasn't much ridicule on him because of the situation. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just didn't feel like a win for Chelsea in a way. But it didn't start off well. Six minute right away. We're on the back foot. Kulisevsky puts in a goal. A little bit, bit of a deflection to go in. Beats Robert Sanchez. But... That's when things open up. That's when the game got ugly. Chelsea had to make this game as chippy as possible, and they, they did that. Yeah. Um, Udogi in the 18th minute, two foot Sterling, nearly takes his leg off if he didn't pull away. Uh, could have been violent conduct, but only a yellow. Build up there, we saw a couple. I think there were seven goals disallowed in this game. Yes. I think I heard, which is a lot incredible. of offside goals for Chelsea. I think at least four were ruled off. Yeah, um, fucking crazy. And then, and then um, we saw Romero in the thirty-third get a straight red card off of our decision. This came from a Chelsea goal being ruled off sides. And as they checked back, they saw the tackle on Enzo Fernandez, who's a game time decision this weekend against Man City. He got crunched. He was given a straight red, gave us a penalty. Cole Palmer buries his third one on the year. Uh, Vicario got a hand on it, but. Cole Palmer put it hard, hit it hard enough to where he didn't, he couldn't get it away. Um, 
Tottenham make a tactical decision to take Brendan Johnson off, and they put Eric Dyer in, who's been out of favor with the manager. And uh, he would later have a moment for himself, but was also called back. Um, halftime changes come in, 1-1 at the half. James Madison picked up an injury, unfortunately. And news just came out today. He'll be out until January, as well as Mickey Vandeven um, pulled his hamstring. He's also out until January. Two key, key figures for them are out for an extended period, which isn't good. Um, and then right before the half, we saw uh, yellow cards to Jackson and Caldwell and Saar. That's six yellows for Jackson this year. He leads strikers with yellow cards. He has six. The next closest guy as at the striker position has two. Um, that has to be solved. Um, we saw Cucurella come in. Mudrik came in. Uh, this was after Udogi got a second yellow. So now Tottenham had their nine. They played the rest of the game after the 55th minute with nine men. Uh, we takes, He takes out Kulusevski and Saar. Postacoglu does. He puts Skip and Bentancur in. He's just going all defensive to hold it. And nine men, they were playing the highest offsides trap I've ever seen. Yeah, it was um, insane. It was just through ball after through ball, and it still seemed like Chelsea were struggling to get through it, which is incredible. Um, but 75th minute, it came through. Sterling gets in behind, cut back to Jackson. 93rd minute, Gallagher through ball, cut back to Jackson. And then 96th minute, Cole Palmer with a through ball Jackson for the hat trick. Yeah. Uh, the most, insane. the most, un, I don't know. I don't know. When he scored the hat trick, I was hype. I was on my route. It was completely dark outside at that point. So I was pumping my fist. But I mean, I don't know. It was just scoring against nine men just doesn't feel as good for some reason. But it was against Tottenham. So I was ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, but, we, I needed this, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I did. I, I thought, what did I, did I pick a draw? Yeah, we both picked a draw. I, I knew it would be this kind of game. I just, I didn't think Chelsea would come out all the way on top. Yeah. Um, Nico Jackson shushing and then doing Ronaldo's celebration at the end after scoring yeah. on a nine-man high line was certifiably <laughs> yeah. insane. I loved it. Um, so stupid, you almost have to respect it. Uh, what a complete, like, Shit house game. I mean, this was just unbelievable, insane stuff, uh, but so entertaining. I mean, Nico Jackson hat trick. Never in a million years would I have thought that would be the way this game ended. Yep, five goals now in the league. Um, it's just it's good. It's a good morale booster. They said before the game, Chelsea's been the best team playing at Tottenham's new stadium, and they got another result here. This puts Tottenham one point behind City now. But the biggest story is those injuries and mm -hmm. suspensions. Madison out for two months. Vandeman out for two months. Romero out for three games. Udogi missing this game against Wolves. What is the state of this team, and what do you think is best-case scenario for them for the next two months? Uh, they're going to be sweating it out a little bit now. Uh, Vandeman has been a revelation for them. 
same thing with Madison. Both new signings, both completely changing the way uh, they play and allowing Ange to sort of enact his sort of footballing philosophy. Now, being without those two players, things are going to be a bit bleak. You're missing Romero for three games. You're going to miss Udogi for next week's game. This is brutal. Brennan Johnson's going to have to really step up in that Madison role uh, if Spurs want to continue to be... Uh, you know, solid. We're going to see Eric Dyer. They've got Betancourt back. Maybe he'll be solid uh, for them. But instead, I think they're probably going to play Ollie Skip, Hoybier, guys like that. Uh, it's time for Emerson Royale to come back into the team. He looked good last year uh, before missing some time. Potentially, you know, he steps in and the Adogi loss for a week isn't isn't huge, but uh, things are going to be really tough for them. They're missing both of their first choice center backs now uh, for at least, you know, almost the next month because of that straight red. That's a three game suspension, I believe. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very tough. Things are not going to be easy for Spurs. Uh, I got to check their next couple fixtures. They do have international yeah, gonna... break, which kind of helps, but not really. Yeah, they're. They're set for no Madison and Vandevin for nine to ten matches in those That's... games. They got they got Wolves, Aston Villa, Man City, West Ham, Newcastle, Forest, Everton, Brighton, Bournemouth, and Man United being the last one potentially without Madison and Vandevin. That's not an easy run of games. I mean, yeah, and this we we also didn't mention Richarlson just got pubic bone surgery on his pubic bone, so he'll be out until the new year as well. Solomon is out for the next month, and Parasic, as we already knew, is out for the season. He had an ACL injury. So they are, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how they were the only ones that without major injuries, they all came at once. They got absolutely hit with the, with the injury hammer. I mean, half their squad, half their first team's injured now. They need big guys to step up here in that midfield. Lacelso is going to have to play at that 10 role where Madison was. Eric Dyer and Ben Davies are potentially going to be your starting center backs for the next couple games. And Pasukoglu isn't going to be changing his tactics. So they build out of the back and they build out of the back slowly at times. And those two are going to get stripped of the ball yeah. plenty of times. So we could be seeing three to four goals, two to three goals a game against them. Yeah, it's true. So I don't know. This this could potentially be the downfall of Tottenham. They were on the talks of a title challenge. Now they're going to have to survive to stay in the top four. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's going to be really tough. Madison and Vandeman have been so good for them. The only shining thing is they've still got Vicario, uh, and he's been yeah, uh, honestly probably the best keeper in the league this year. So... Um, for sure, that's that's a, a shining you know spot in the whole thing. Um, he's going to be seeing a lot of action, that's for sure. I don't know about the clean sheets; it's it's going to be a little tougher for him with the amount of shots he's about to face. Uh, with no six five ninety pace, uh, Mickey Vandeman back there, that's going to be a tough loss. All right, did All you right. want to jump into players of the week? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start off with the bright side here. I'm the best man. I did it. 
you go first. Who's your best player, best player of the week? My best player of the week is Jeremy Doku. Uh, no doubt about yeah. it. I mean, yeah, just just what a signing from Manchester City. He looked unbelievable. He scored a lot of goals. He completes so many take-ons. Uh, this game, he decided to show us how well he passes the ball and how much, you know, show us how much vision he has for this game. Got to give it to Jeremy Doku. I mean, he was just unreal this week. Yeah, mine's got to go to Nico Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, the simplest of hat tricks, but a hat trick is a hat trick. And him hitting the Sioux after the Hattie <laughs> against nine men, as you mentioned, is just hysterical at the yep. expense of Tottenham. So, yeah, easily Nico Jackson for me. Um, other side of it, worst player of the week. I am having a very bad day. I am in no more. I think for me, I'm going to go with Emmy Martinez. Oh, man. Yeah, I kind of figured we would be somewhere there. Um, If I had to... Yeah, I'll stick with Martinez. Um, Yeah, I mean, just it capped off a terrible day off that mistake, and they just really weren't in the game at all. And for him to have a mistake a couple of days... The same week after being awarded the best goalkeeper of the year is... uh, Yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's a bad look for him. The ball-don't-lie situation. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Martinez was mine too. I totally agree. I mean, I think it was shocking. We can agree on that. Um, yeah, but I have another one. Honorable mention VAR uh, and the oh, PGMOL. Okay. I mean, it's it was really really bad this weekend. Like horrible. Uh, every single time, like in in a couple of my group chats, have you seen the video where they're like, "All right, well done, lads. Good process." Have you seen no, that video? <laughs> yeah, on no. the on the VAR calls. So no. af- after the VAR checks are complete. Um, sometimes they release the audio and they're always like, yeah, well done. That's good process. And it's always completely wrong. They've totally fucked it. Um, I, I didn't see the VAR call, uh, from this weekend. I know the Newcastle Arsenal one actually did get released. I got to go hunting for it. Um, but it's so funny. Uh, VAR is just such a fucking shambles. So, uh, that's another worst performer of the week for me. Yeah. They also, had a scene where Anthony Taylor last week was relegated to the championship in that game. He refed, he had a controversial VAR decision there or call there. And then the following day he was promoted back to the program. So he'll be in charge of the Chelsea man city game now. So um, that should end well. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Games for this weekend. Uh, What's up? Records. last. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Bad, bad week. Um, bad week. Uh, Evan, two and eight. I went three and seven. Uh, Zach scrambled and got five and five. So overall, Evan is now 60 and 50. Zach is 66 and 44. And I am 67 and 43. Still, still pretty good. Yeah, that's killer. Um, all right. Picks Wolves versus Tottenham tomorrow, 7 30. At the Molyneux. Early game. Tottenham. Uh, short rest. Shortish rest. They don't have European football, which is nice. But um, in second, going up against the Wolves team in 14th. I think I still got to go with Tottenham. I think they win this game. Really? Yeah, I mean, Wolves, they didn't look great last week. Missing Neto is really hard. Like, if they're going to win this game, they got to do it on the counter because Tottenham are down so many players at the back. Um, and they're missing Neto, who orchestrates all of their counters. So 
Yeah, Huang maybe has a good game, but I think Tottenham still win this one. Son uh, is going to have to do it all himself, but I do think uh, they can win. Oh, also, Richarlison's not playing because he hurt his pelvis or his dick or something. Yeah, he got a surgery on that. He's out until January. A, a penal surgery. So they're probably going to go with Kulusevski. It's going to be like Kulusevski, Brennan Johnson, Lacelso, and Son. And we saw last year Son struggled to do stuff alone. Yeah. So I'm on the other end. I'm going with Wolves. I think Gary O'Neill's heavily going to prep them on pressing and trying to strip the ball off their buildup. It's going to be massive on the Tottenham's midfield here to get them out of those situations where Dyer and Davies potentially are going to have put them in. So I'm going with Wolves, and Zach's going in the middle. He's going to take a draw. Okay. Um. All right. Next game, we have Manchester United versus Luton. I mean... Uh- I'm not buying into the Luton process. I'm going with United here at home. It's uh, it's a back-against-the-wall type game for Ten Hag. He cannot... Anything but a win here is unacceptable. Um, and he his head's going to be massively on the chopping block. But, yeah, I got to go with United here. Zach's also going United. Uh, I guess I'll go United, but if I had to root for something, it would be that the stadium or my TV blows up, so I don't have to watch this. Uh, I'll I'll take United. Uh, ugh, I I don't like that at all. That game's gonna suck. Okay, next game: Arsenal Burnley at the Emirates. Uh, my brother's in Europe as we speak. There was potential that he would be going to this game, but unfortunately, tickets are almost a thousand pounds. He wasn't paying a thousand pounds to watch Burnley. Don't blame him. Uh, I'll take Arsenal. They should win this one. Yeah, this should be pretty straightforward for them. Um, Burnley's defense is really struggling, and with an Arsenal team coming off that disappointing result, they're going to look to pepper somebody, and unfortunately, it's Vincent Company. So uh, Zach's also going with Arsenal. Yeah, all right. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Everton. Uh, as a back, Alyssa available off the bench. Should be an easy one, but Matt, who do you have here? surprisingly zach and i agree on this we're both going with everton here i think uh palace's defense is a bit iffy and i think everton on a couple set pieces here should be all right um Elise and as a being both going to play in this game probably is going to be interesting but i think with everton's midfield playing okay onana should be back after an injury he's been a big interceptor for them and a bruiser so i think everton win here in a chippy game uh, I'll take Palace. I, I love them in this one. I think Palace are due. Uh, played well last week. Think they do it again. I, I like them to win this one. Okay, Bournemouth, Newcastle up next. Um, you have to fade Bournemouth at, at just all costs right now. So I'll take Newcastle. Games at vitality doesn't matter. Yep, I'm going Newcastle. So is Zach. It should be interesting to see how Newcastle's back line plays without Dan Byrne and, and Botman together. So uh, I'm talked right now is Livermento's going to get a start at fullback. He's been dealing with uh, fitness as well as he had that long injury return from last year. So um, if he gets a good run in this team, he's a great attacking option down one of the wings. And then Trippier on the other side whipping balls in should be good. So I think they get the job done here. Okay. Um, then the next game, Aston Villa versus Fulham. Matt, who do you have in that one? I'm going with Villa. They're undefeated at home. They concede very few goals. It's uh, it's a Fulham team that's struggling at the moment, but 
Um, the thing that's that's messing with me right now is Fulham hasn't had a similar result back to back yet, and they lost the last game, so they're potentially going to get an upset here. But I'm still going to go Villa, and uh, Zach's going with uh, Villa as well. Okay, yeah, I'll go with Villa. Um, no way they lose to Fulham. Fulham are just such they're they're so far off where they were with Mitrovic. Uh, I'll take Villa. Brighton versus Sheffield up next. Uh, really tough game for Sheffield here at the Falmer home game for Brighton. Uh, I'll take a draw. Uh, I don't, Brighton not inspiring me. Coming off a 2-0 against Ajax. Uh, I told Brighton to go to that game too, and he didn't do it. Uh, he, was in, oh. he was in fucking Amsterdam. I thought uh, he did. Uh, the Johan Cruyff right down the street, man. I, I don't know why he didn't go, but, um, probably because Ajax, they're, there's, they're rioting at the Ajax games. Because uh, they're so bad right now, but um, yeah, I'll take a draw. Brighton not impressing me. If Fati gets the start, I think Brighton win. If he doesn't, they don't. So I'll take a draw. I don't know why, but Sheffield should be riding high after that win last week. Yeah, if they get back-to-back results here, that's massive for them and their confidence going into an international break. But I'm going to go with Brighton. So is Zach. This they're five games without a win here. Um, they need to keep up some sort of form because if United and Chelsea start passing them, they got some serious issues. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next one we have West Ham versus Nottingham Forest. Matt, who do you have there? I will be taking a draw in this game. Uh, Zach's taking West Ham. I think this Forest team's tough to read right now. And West Ham really need a result here, but I do think at home they play really slow to start, and that might be costing them with a Forest team that play great on the counter. So I'm going to take a, a draw. Um, I will go with West Ham. I think last week, um, Anomaly, Nottingham Forest got the win. I think they lose this week. I'll take West Ham. We'll just go for the zigzag, even though I'm not super confident in it. Uh, Liverpool versus Brentford up next. Liverpool lost to Toulouse yesterday. Before that, they had the 1-1 against Luton. So not doing great against shit teams, but Luis Diaz's dad is home and safe. Uh, I think he will be playing with so much joy. He should get the start here over Jota. I will take Liverpool. I think uh, Luis Diaz scores and they win the game. Um, Zach and I are taking Liverpool as well. Undefeated at home. They're I think the record right now is they're unbeaten in 21 of their last 22 prem matches. So uh, at Anfield should be one. Mo Salah should get back on the score sheet here. Yeah. All right. And then Chelsea versus City. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I'm taking City. So Zach, I said it, I take them every week, but... If we can continue getting some sort of results against these these top teams, it's good it's good signs coming forward and with Nkunku coming back in the next month, um, it should be good. I'm excited. I think we should do okay in this game. But um yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Um <clears throat> I We'll go with a draw. I think Holland. Oh. I think Holland disappears again. He's been disappearing in these big games. Um, bad against Arsenal. Got 
totally pocketed by uh, Saliba. I think I think Thiago Silva puts him in the blender. I'll I'll take I'll take a draw. Thiago Silva hasn't been playing well lately. I know um, I know he hasn't, but I'm I'm iffy if we play Levi Kawa left back again. But I mean I don't want Cucurella going up against fucking Doku on the right. Yeah, he's gonna get rinsed. Although he but, locked he locked Sokka up. True, um, but when they're wearing these these sky blue jerseys, man, it's, they just play different. Yeah, that's true. I'll I'll take the draw, but you're right. This is probably going to be a tough match. Okay, that's everything, right? Yep, that's up. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post Twenty Pod. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Post Twenty Podcast. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Again, thanks for listening, and enjoy the week, the games uh, on the weekend. And we'll see you next week. Take care.